You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number 196. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hi there. Welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield, and today we are going to be diving into the three surprising strategies to increase sales on your next webinar. Now, before we dive in, I've got a question for you. Do you feel that you've been able to really connect with your webinar attendees on a webinar? Meaning if you had to guess on the other end of the computer where they're watching your webinar while you're going through the content, do you think they're shaking their head saying, yes, yes, you totally get me. That's me. Oh, I needed this. It's like you're reading my mind. Do you think that's how they're feeling on the other end of your webinar? Well, surprisingly, you might have the best content in the world. However, you're just not tuning into these strategies I'm going to share with you today to create that instant bond, that connection. And so that's why I felt like this episode's really important because it's about engagement and connection and really getting into the mind of your webinar attendee so that they feel that you really get them. Now, as you might already know, I relaunched my List Builders Lab program not too long ago, and when I relaunched it, I did a series of live webinars. Now, because I've been focusing on automation, doing evergreen webinars in my business, it had been a while since I had done live webinars. And every time I do a series of live webinars, I always learn some new strategies or walk away with some aha moments looking at how I did the webinar differently and what an impact that made, whether it be positive or negative. And there were some positive moments in my last series of live webinars that I really wanted to share with you because these are easy strategies, but I call them surprising because They're not the usual strategies people talk about that you would instantly connect with boosting your sales. Instead, they are more about engagement and these strategies are more focused on creating true, real touch points with your audience on your webinar and overall creating deeper connections. But trust me, connection on a webinar is a true path to higher conversions There's no doubt about it, and I'm going to show you how that works when we get into it. Now, since this episode is all about webinars, it's only fitting that this episode is sponsored by my free workshop, How to Create and Deliver Your First Wildly Profitable Webinar, Even If You Don't Have an Email List. So if you've been thinking about creating a webinar, or maybe you've done webinars and they're just not converting like you had hoped, then make sure to grab your free spot in my upcoming workshop. Go to amyporterfield.com forward slash free class. Simple as that. amyporterfield.com forward slash free class. All right. I won't make you wait any longer. Let's jump into the three touch points to boost your sales on your next webinar. Touch point number one, turn your intro into a, hey, that's me opportunity. When I do a webinar in the first 10 minutes, I always tell a story. The story is different depending on what I'm teaching inside the webinar. 
Now, most people in their webinar talk about themselves in the first 10 minutes. So the person doing the webinar will talk about their accomplishments, who they are. They'll typically highlight their family or just make it a little bit too indulgent and make it all about them. And what they're missing is they're not resonating with their audience. And so I like to tell stories on a webinar in a much different way. Whatever story I'm going to tell, I focus more on the emotions I was feeling in that experience, the feelings that came up for me, the things that I told myself during that experience, the fears, the challenges, or the desires that I was seeking. And when I do a story that way, it's going to resonate with my audience a whole lot faster because Anytime I tell a story on a webinar, I want my webinar participants to be thinking, that's me. I totally can relate. She's telling my story. And the only way to get your audience to think and feel that way is if they can relate to the feelings and the emotions that came up in your story. So every time I tell a story, I want it to bring my audience closer to me. I want my story to build trust and affinity and a connection. And in order for that to happen, I've got to get vulnerable and really honest in my story. So the next time you tell a story on a webinar, ask yourself if there's enough true, raw emotion in that story. And if you're really, really getting down to the nitty gritty details that will make your participants think, oh my gosh, he totally gets me or holy cow, she's really telling my story. So I want you just to think about this because this is a big deal. In the first 10 minutes, it could make or break your webinar success. So let me give you a quick example. On my List Builder Lab webinar that I do, I tell a story right in the beginning about how I put list building to the side for two years in my business. So I tell this story about joining a mastermind and the fact that my mastermind leader, Marie Forleo, kept telling me, build your list, build your list, build your list. And I'd almost just kind of laugh like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. I've got more important things to be doing right now. And then when I'd show up at the mastermind in three months down the road, I still hadn't done anything to grow my email list. And I was really frustrating her because she said, Amy, you're coming here to learn from me and you're not doing the strategies that are going to grow your business. So I started to feel some shame around my list. Like I am not doing what I need to be doing. And also I talked about in this story doing my first launch and it was a huge failure. And I remember thinking in that moment, I've got to go back to a J-O-B. I am not cut out for this online marketing launch situation. Like this was a huge failure and I can't do it. And I also, during that story on the webinar, showed pictures of when I was in that moment. So it really brought it to life. That's another thing. If you have pictures, images to show that are real, like in the moment of the story you were talking about, by all means, pull them out because they will make the story even more real. But the reason I chose to tell the story beyond the fact that it's true is that I know my audience has shame around the fact that they haven't focused on building their email list. I know my audience sometimes feels like I'm not cut out for this. 
I'm going to have to go get a job or I'm never even going to get to leave my job because this is not working. So talking more about the feelings, the thoughts, and the words I was saying to myself in my head during those moments, that's what's most important in a story in the first 10 minutes of your webinar. You want to make that connection. That story is not essentially about you. That story is all for them. Essentially, you are holding up a mirror so that they see themselves in your story. If they start to think, oh yeah, she gets me, you've nailed it. So hold up the mirror the next time you tell a story in a webinar so that it's not all about you, but all about them and their situation, where they are and where they want to go. Okay, so let's move on to touch point number two. Open up your chat and experiment with building your community while you are on your webinar. So I've got a quick story for you. When I was doing webinars during my List Builder Lab launch, live launch a few months ago, we were using Zoom. And we typically use GoToWebinar, but I've noticed that I like Zoom for live webinars better because I like the video capabilities and features, meaning I think they're really easy to use. And on that webinar, I turned my video camera on and during the webinar, I showed my face while I was also showing my slides. So it gave it an even more personal connection. I've talked about that on this podcast a few times now, but if we're talking about connection, showing your face in real time, always a great way to make that instant connection. But this touch point is about the chat. So here's what happened. We didn't really know how to use Zoom. And so we accidentally left the chat open during the entire webinar. Now, if you are in my webinars that convert program, you know that I talk about the Q&A and the chat box during a live webinar a lot. And my suggestion usually is to keep it off, meaning that people can post their questions, but the only ones that will see those questions is your team, you and your team, not everybody else on the webinar. And typically, I think this is a good idea because when a bunch of questions are flashing in the chat and everybody can see them, they're distracting. And then people get into conversations with each other, yet another distraction. And so my fear has always been that people won't pay attention to my webinar. And if you're not connected to the webinar content, you're sure as heck not going to be connected to the product I'm selling when I get there on the webinar. So I don't love those distractions. And I still stand behind that. I think that is one way to look at it. And I want you to experiment. So at one point, I want you to turn the chat off during your webinar so that only people can chat questions, but they can't talk with each other. Okay. So that is one way to do it. The other way to do it is to leave the chat open for everybody the whole time. And that's the mistake we made. We accidentally left it open, didn't even know it was open. And then once it was open and I went live, we didn't know how to close it. So we just left it open. And I was pleasantly surprised around the community building and community connection in the chat. Now, I do think this says something about my audience. I have a really sweet, helpful audience. I'm very, very lucky in that. And I know not everybody has an audience where people are so gracious and so quick to say something positive and just nice to each other. But I'm lucky to have an audience like that. That includes you, by the way. And so people were helping each other in the chat. 
At one point, a woman asked a question like, what was point number three that Amy just shared? I totally missed it. And then somebody added point number three in the chat so she could jot it down in her notes. Or somebody missed a link I mentioned. And so somebody else in the group posted the link. And then they started talking about, hey, we should get together and really dive into list building together and keep ourselves accountable. So there was some little mini masterminds forming in the chat as well. And I loved seeing that. Now, when we use chat, just to back up a little bit, my team is always in the chat, welcoming almost everybody that shows up. I have a few people in the chat, so they call them by name and they welcome them when they jump on before we get started. We also troubleshoot any tech issues that people might be having. And when people ask questions and nobody's answering their question and my team knows I likely won't answer that type of question on the webinar, my team will jump in there and get that person the answer as well. So those are things that always happen during a live webinar with my chat, but seeing people connect with each other and even talk about their challenges. And when I ask a question like on a scale of one to 10, how frustrated are you with your email list? And then everybody floods in their responses. That's a cool thing to see kind of where everybody's at and the whole community can kind of get a sense of who is in the webinar, who's watching and where they're at. And I think that's cool as well. Now, remember, I have a lot of people on my webinars, and so it's a pretty active chat. If you've got just 10 people on, you're not going to get that flood of responses, but I think if you have a really small group on your webinar, it's not a bad idea to let them chat with each other just to make that connection. However, if you're worried that during the Q&A, which we'll get to as the touch point number three, during the Q&A, if no one's going to ask a question and you have to come up with the questions for them, then maybe close down the chat till you think you can get some engagement on a later webinar. But anyway, my point is that I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way to use your chat. You could keep it open for everybody, or you could close it down and only allow people to ask questions. And I think you should experiment with both and see which one feels right to you. I might still play around with this idea, and maybe if I start to see people getting really distracted, I'll close down that chat. But for now, I think I'm going to keep it open and still experiment with the community side of the webinar. I just really love the energy, and I want more of that on my live webinars. The last thing I'll say is that your team needs to be ready to shut down the trolls. If you've got any jerks on your webinar and they start posting rude things, your team needs to delete those because there is no need for those on a live webinar or any webinar for that fact. And so get your team ready to delete or lock somebody. Know those functionalities inside of your chat in case you need them. Okay, so touch point number two, open up your chat and experiment with building your community on your webinar. Just see what feels right to you. Touch point number three, use your Q&A to show your webinar participants that you know who they are and you know what they need. I love a good Q&A on a webinar. I believe that it can increase your conversions when you nail your Q&A. But there's a few different areas of the Q&A that I want to dive into because I want you to look at your Q&A differently after this episode. So I've got three tips for you. Tip number one, voice their objections before you even get into the Q&A. 
Now, of course, during your entire webinar, and I teach this inside webinars that convert, during your entire webinar, you're touching on the objections and challenges and fears that your audience is feeling because you have the solution. So you need to bring those up throughout the webinar. And I teach you how to do that inside the program. But beyond that, once you get done with your webinar, you've taught the free content, you have promoted your program, and now you're moving into Q&A. Before you actually take the questions from your audience, I want you to voice their objections. Now, here's how I do it. I think of four or five, but questions that come up right before I actually get into the Q&A. Here's what I mean by but questions. So if I said, here, you need my program from somebody that just watched my webinar, they could be thinking, yeah, but, and then what are they going to say after that? So for List Builders Lab, yeah, but I don't have a lot of money to spend on Facebook ads. So list building is not going to work for me. Or, yeah, but I'm really stressed out by all the technology that comes up with list building. I don't understand the integration. Yeah, but I want you to think of those but questions, sounds so weird, before you actually get into your Q&A. And what I do on a webinar is I actually show those objections on a slide, slide by slide. So I'll say, okay, we're going to do some live Q&A. So get ready with your questions. Start typing them into the chat right now. But before we get there, I'm guessing that you have some thoughts floating through your head right now. And you might be really interested in List Builders Lab. However, you're thinking, Amy, I am really concerned because I don't have the money for ads. And then I talk about that. And then I go to the next slide. You might be thinking, technology freaks me out, Amy. I just don't know if I'm cut out for this list building strategy. And then I address that. And I go through about four or five of those really quickly. So right out of the gate, I address their objections so that we kind of get those out of the way. And again, this is a way for my audience, those listening in the moment to think, oh, she gets me. She knows exactly what I'm thinking right now. And the more your audience on a webinar says that, the higher the trust factor. They feel connected to you and they feel that they can trust you because you get them. So I answer these objections right before I get into the Q&A. And now tip number two is to redirect back to your course. So as you get into the live Q&A and you're answering questions for people, I want you to always use that question, if appropriate, as an opportunity to talk about your course. So if somebody asks a question, I don't just want you to say, oh, well, buy my course and I answer that in the course. I don't want you to do that. However, I do want you to give a little value in response to their question. So answer it a little bit, but then say, I get into more detail and more specifics about this very question in my program. And if you know your program well, and you could say in module two, I address this whole issue that you're having here. So when you get into the program, make sure you spend some extra time with module two. There's a little NLP there as well, you know, just basically always talking about when they get into your program and when they're going through the modules and as they're watching the videos, that's the kind of language you want to use so that they can see themselves inside of your program. All right. So anyway, getting back to tip number two, redirect back to your course, every opportunity you find to talk about your course, do so because the Q and a portion of a webinar is your time to sell. 
You are always selling during the Q&A portion of your webinar. I think that's a mindset shift for some right out of the gate. Don't use your Q&A just to answer a bunch of questions on your topic. You're redirecting them back into the course and you're talking about what they will learn in the course so that they start to see the value of the course even more. So use your Q&A as a selling opportunity. And also, real quick, I would have in front of you some questions that if they're not asking, you want to answer them anyway, such as how long will it take me to get through the program? How do I know if I'm right for the program? What if I have a question? Will you be there to answer it for me? They'll ask about the refund policy again, even though you went over it. So you might want to just have a few of those questions in your pocket and just answer them on the Q&A, even if nobody asks those questions. So that's actually a good lead into tip number three, and that is to read between the lines. Early on in my online marketing career, I learned to identify what my audience should be asking, but they don't know to ask. And if you are answering questions during a Q&A and you realize that people are asking a certain question, but what they really should be asking is X, Y, Z, then go ahead and answer both questions. Because when you refine the skill of knowing what your audience should be asking, but they don't know to ask, you have the ability to tap into their fears and their roadblocks so that you can actually move them forward and again, see the value of your program because you're gonna get them results that they want. So this is a skill that you can really strengthen, read between the lines. So here's an example. How much money do I need to invest in your program, Amy, to make it work? So when someone asks that question, I talk about the extra expenses it will take to get my strategies up and running. But I also talk about the fact that they've probably tried many programs and they haven't worked or that they probably have a really tight budget and it worries them to have to spend extra money to make the program work, I address these things head on because that question of how much more money do I need to spend to make your program work, Amy, is also, Amy, are you going to screw me because I don't have a lot of money, and if you're going to tell me I have to spend $2,000 more to make this work, I can't do it. And then there's fear around money that comes up and fear around not being able to figure it out. So I address all of those issues in the Q&A as well. The Q&A can be about the emotions and the fears as well as the specific details that they're asking about. Okay, one more example. Amy, what if I get stuck? Will you be answering all of my questions? The answer is no, and I'll talk about the fact that I have extra support in my private Facebook groups and I show up live on video once a week. But beyond that, again, I talk about the fear that they might be feeling right now because I know that being a marketer online or building a business online can be really lonely. And sometimes you feel like there's no one there to help you out. And then I go back to the fact that my program is a step-by-step program. I hold your hand through the process. So I'm able to bring it back to what I teach in the course and how I teach. So remember, you always want to be bringing it back to your course and you want to be using your Q&A as a selling opportunity. So to review those tips really fast, one, voice their objections before you get into the Q&A. Number two, redirect back to your course. And number three, read between the lines and answer the questions that they may not be asking, but you know that you need to get to the heart of the matter around what their question really is saying about what they're thinking and feeling. 
So there you have it. Let's first recap the touch points. Touch point number one, turn your intro into a, hey, that's me opportunity. It all comes down to your master storytelling technique. Touch point number two, open up your chat and experiment with building your community on your webinar. And touch point number three, use your Q&A to show your webinar registrants that you know who they are and you know what they need. I think that's my favorite touch point of all three because you can do some really cool things during your Q&A opportunity. So here's the thing I want you to remember. These three touch points, more than anything, can help you become more deeply connected with the people on your webinar that are genuinely a good fit for your program. They need you, and that connection you're making will help them understand that they can trust you and that you are their go-to person. So remember, you're not having to make that connection with everybody on the webinar, It will resonate with those that truly need what you're selling the most. Also, I think today in the hustle and bustle of creating webinar systems that we get lost in our registration page creation and writing our onboarding emails and creating the funnels and all that stuff that goes into creating a really solid webinar system. All that stuff is important, but I don't want you to lose sight of the importance of creating an experience on your webinar. And I think these three touch points will help you do just that. Before I go, remember that this episode is sponsored by my free workshop, how to create your first wildly profitable webinar, even if you don't have an email list. To grab your spot, go to amyporterfield.com forward slash free class. So if you've been thinking about doing webinars for a while, or you have done webinars and they didn't turn out as planned, don't hesitate to grab your spot, amyporterfield.com forward slash free class. And finally, before I jump off next week's episode, number 197 is with Marie Forleo. And we are talking about a topic that we have never talked about online together. And it is going to be so fantastic. I cannot wait to share it with you. So make sure you do not miss next week's episode. All right, guys, I hope you have a wonderful day and I can't wait to see you again next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com. 